Lucas on Life. Hello and welcome to Lucas on Life. Jeff Lucas here coming to you from across the pond in sunny Colorado. Sorry if it's raining where you are, but I'm not too far away to hear the media reverberations and news coming out from Westminster this last week. We've heard Attorney General Suella Braverin tell the BBC that there are some MPs, a minority, thank God, who behave like animals. Labour MP Liam Byrne has been suspended from the Commons for two days for bullying a former employee. And another MP has been charged with failing to stop after a car crash last November. And then there's the yet unnamed Member of Parliament who has been accused of watching pornography while sitting on the green benches of the House of Commons. Now, all of this essentially is about one thing. Yes, it's it's about sex, it's about misogyny, it's about feeling privileged, but ultimately it's about abuse of power. All in all, it's not been a good week for leadership. And as usual, my task is not to make a judgment on the headlines, but to turn the spotlight around onto us as followers of Jesus and consider what we can learn about ourselves from the headlines. You see, leadership abuse is a real thing in some churches. There are some Christian leaders who misuse their positions of authority. They isolate and ostracize anyone who criticizes them. They act entitled as if the usual rules of human decency and indeed Christian holiness don't apply to them. They treat the church as if it belongs to them, not God. And at the other end of the scale, some Christian leaders are routinely treated badly by their congregations. Here in America, a recent survey here in America revealed that up to a third of ministers, pastors, vicars are thinking about quitting ministry altogether. And this has not just been because of the pressures of the COVID pandemic. These numbers came out before the cursed COVID wreaked its havoc. So tonight, let's think. Are our churches places where we can express our opinions safely, even offer constructive, kindly criticism without fear? And while our politicians do need to be held to account, and sexism and misogyny is utterly unacceptable, let me make that 100% clear, have we become a culture where we shout at each other when there are difficulties, and again, turning it around, do some leaders engage in that tactic when they are criticised? And then, ending on a positive note, how can we pray for those who lead in our churches? And surely we can offer some of those prayers for the folks in Westminster as well. They surely need it. Lucas on Leadership, here on Premier Christian Radio. In the wake of the Westminster headlines this week, we're facing the challenge are our churches places where healthy leadership is expressed? How do our leaders deal with criticism? I can remember one evening where I was preaching in a church where I was not the pastor. The service had gone well and I felt that welcome feeling of grateful weariness. The warm glow that comes when you sense as a leader that perhaps you've helped people to walk into another day with a few more handfuls of hope. I strolled to the back of the church building to my book table, ready to pack things away. It was then that I saw it. The note was folded exactly in half and stood crisp and upright on the book table, militarily demanding attention. 
My name was scrawled in an angry address across the front of it. Something told me that this was not an epistle of warm appreciation, and I was right. A familiar dread turned my stomach to lead as I reluctantly unfolded the note, its creases razor sharp. The words within were sharper still. I had obviously angered somebody in the congregation, and they were certainly not used to the approach that I take to preaching. I love humour, but not all Christians share my desire to smile and laugh, and neither do they have to. It's just a shame that some of them become the joyless police, eager to arrest anyone who might possibly be having just a tiny bit more fun than they are, which isn't hard. I'm personally committed to the idea that fun is not something that should be A, reserved for the after death for Christians, and B, kept a million miles from biblical preaching. The writers of the note vehemently disagreed. Their scribble was like a lurid scar on paper. It screamed their indignant protest. Would you, my dear and inquisitive listener, like to hear the contents of that note? All right, then. It said, Sir... We would see Jesus, not your comedy act and nonsensical gibberish. You can't win souls to Jesus with all that rubbish. You are not a preacher. You are a comedian. You have missed your calling. The note was unsigned, and this person or persons who had felt constrained to announce my utter worthlessness had not chosen to reveal their identity. I folded the note back in half, my heart heavy within my chest, because... I do know what I'm called to do, and I've been around long enough to know that not everyone is going to like it. The privilege of leadership carries with it the unwelcome moments when we will feel the bitter sting of criticism. But the wildly scrawled note had the effect of a missile on my own sense of hope, blowing my joy to smithereens. And I stood there and wondered about what kind of person could be so hateful in Jesus' name. And suddenly in that moment, I wanted to not be a Christian leader anymore. In fact, for a second or two, I even wished that I wasn't a Christian, seeing as these so-called friends of God were such accomplished verbal assassins. Fortunately, my desire for atheism only lasted a few seconds before logic rebooted in my brain and heart. Now, as a leader, it's never enjoyable to be criticised, particularly when it comes wrapped in the cowardly garb of an anonymous letter, an envelope stuffed with verbal barbed wire. These days, if a letter comes unsigned, I won't give it the undeserved dignity of reading it. If the person who wrote it doesn't have the moral backbone to sign it, then why should I trouble myself reading the fruit of their spineless lack of conviction? But hold on a moment. Are there times when we Christian leaders are criticised and too quickly rush to conclude that our critics are just fools, write off the critic too quickly, and we could be ignoring an unwelcome gift of God to us. You see, visionary leaders often find it very difficult to receive even the most constructive criticism. Blinded by our passion to follow what we think is a God-given mandate, we brush off words of caution and correction as being born of a lack of faith, or even worse still, we gleefully suggest that our critics are speaking as unwitting agents of Satan. Surely, we conclude, if we are on a mission from God, then any voice that challenges that mission must find its source from the pit below. This is particularly possible when a church is following a direction that God has given. 
with simplistic naivety, the leaders determine that God has spoken, so any contrary voice must come from the evil one who loves to distract, conveniently forgetting that the prophetic must be weighed and that honest, rugged, healthy debate is an essential part of that process. In a healthy church, we can disagree. We can criticise kindly. And then, if this trend continues of dismissing our critics, we then move to a place where anyone who speaks with a dissenting voice themselves becomes the enemy, even though they may actually be expressing the true faithfulness and commitment that only comes from the best of friends who can tell us what we don't want to hear. And the problem is further compounded if the criticism comes in the high-pitched messiness of an unhelpful attitude. The critic is angry, upset, maybe even spiteful, and so we conclude from the way that the message is delivered that therefore the message itself must be wrong, which is like ignoring a letter because the envelope is torn. And so we leaders stumble on, convinced of our own rightness, now infallible leaders who can't even be corrected by the ultimate authority of Scripture. Deception has become its winsome, seductive dance with us. And we get deeper into the fog when we endeavour to use the issue of local church unity as a weapon to silence dissenting voices. We brand anyone who asks a question as awkward, or worse still, an agent of division, I am staggered by the way that some Christian leaders sometimes describe those who have left the churches that they lead. God is just purifying the body, they affirm with a smug smile, branding the departing people as dross. The worst example of this in my memory was a leader who wrote off some people that had left the church with the words, well, of course, every healthy body needs a bowel movement once in a while, what an arrogant, devastating belittling of people as being little more than effluent. That's outrageous. So let's face it, none of us enjoy criticism and there are many times when it is unjust, hurtful and a slap in the face for the already weary. Some leaders react as they do to criticism because actually they're just punch drunk. But just as pain is unwelcome, it is actually the gift of God if we placed our hand on a hot stove, so criticism may be the signaler that we hate to see, but may just save our lives. As leaders, we need to be careful about labelling our critics as fools too quickly, because that person, he or she, could turn out to be the most faithful friend that we have. Again, following the revelations, the accusations, the headlines from Westminster this week, we're thinking about leadership. We've been talking about how leadership can be abusive in our churches. And now let's just turn it around and think about how we can pray for those in Christian leadership, for leaders broadly. You see, over the years, and because of the millions of miles I've travelled in ministry, I've come into contact with a lot of vicars, priests, elders and pastors. I've met selfless, hard-working souls who pour out their lives for their churches and communities, and I've met lazy ministers who would make a sloth look productive. I've bumped into breathtakingly gifted entrepreneurs who would have made millions if they hadn't chosen their vocation, and others who are in the ministry mainly because it seems they can't do anything much else too well. And actually, they don't do ministry that well either. I'm not being unkind. It just is a reality. I've met servant-hearted types whose ideal night out would be to gird up their loins with a towel, grab a bowl and head for a local foot washing. 
and I've met power-hungry bullies who need to be taken behind the bike sheds and shown what bullying really looks and feels like. Hmm, maybe that's actually not the best solution. I say it tongue-in-cheek. I know, I'm biased because I'm a pastor, and given the choice between engaging with pleasant, encouraging, smiling souls and those carping critics that I mentioned earlier who make piranhas look like tame goldfish, I'd obviously choose the former. But it's worth thinking about why we should be nice to the women and men who lead us for one simple reason. Encouragement takes thought and strategy and shouldn't just happen because it happens. Let's pray for leaders, Christian leaders, because in their situation, they frequently take the blame for God. All leaders take the blame. Christian leaders get blamed for what God does or doesn't do because Christian leaders represent God who is currently invisible and at times seems unavailable, especially when things go really wrong in life. And when people get angry with God, unfortunately, there's no support line to call. So they frequently take out their frustration on the person they most associate with God, which might be their vicar, pastor, leader or priest. Getting slapped on behalf of the Almighty is not a happy experience. If we're mad with God, include a rant in our prayers because he can cope being God. Sometimes leaders suffer because they're required to say some things that they'd prefer not to say. The Bible contains some awkward truths, and if your pastor is going to be faithful in preaching it, they'll have to deal with some tricky passages on sensitive subjects like divorce, war, adultery, sexuality, and brace yourself for the subject that tends to light the blue touch paper, money. When speaking on these subjects, they're unlikely to please all of the people all of the time, which means they will take some heat. Cool them down with some kindness. Leaders are often the target for gossip. In some churches, Christians don't gossip, of course. They share. And under the guise of sharing, please pray for the pastor, he or she is really struggling right now, we can give the impression that the pastor is struggling with faith and is now a fully paid up member of the Humanist Society, struggling with temptation and has opened their own private harem or is struggling with anger towards the congregation and is now a serial killer whose crime pattern is striking during the after-church cup of tea while wearing clerical attire. Gossip destroys people. Let's not do it. And then we can think that leaders have a hotline to God. Some think that their leaders have a VIP pass to the courts of heaven and begin every day with a happy little two-way chat with God. They don't. They too struggle with doubt, unanswered prayer. And when going through wilderness times in their faith, they often have to appear more certain than they are. Finally, let's realise that we can support our leaders with hopefulness. Cynicism is everywhere these days, sometimes for good reason, when our leaders, Christian, political, wherever, let us down. Christian leaders don't have a cunning plan for world dominion. Yes, there are some wolves out there masquerading as shepherds. They are power-hungry, authoritarian, clerical control freaks who would be who would be better at leading a fascist regime than a local congregation. Spiritual abuse does happen, and it's very serious indeed. But with that said, let's pray for our leaders, and let's go ahead and make their day, and help them out.
by praying for them and maybe simply just being nice. It may well be that you've been affected, are being affected by leadership abuse and you'd like to talk to someone about it. The Premier Lifeline is available 0300 0101. The lines are open from 9am to midnight. See you next time. Lucas on Life.